Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. Said, can I have a hot dog? She goes, yeah, would you like anything on that? I said, well, what do you got? She goes, well, you can get mustard or nothing or both. Give me both. <laughs> Let's see you pull that one off. Well, that's a pretty um, interesting conversation to listen to, and we have more observational humor today for you from Ken Kington on today's episode of Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. Well, John, uh, life can be heavy, especially lately, and the Bible tells us that a joyful heart is good medicine, so we want to share that prescription on today's broadcast. Our guest is one of my favorite clean comedians, Ken Kington, and Ken has been featured on Comedy Central and countless media outlets, and the last message we aired from him made our top 10 list for 2020. Yeah, he always makes me laugh out loud, and uh, with that, let's go ahead and listen in to Ken Kington on today's episode of Focus on the Family. I'm also glad to be here. Have you ever had one of those trips where things didn't go right? Four hours late, and I get in the rental car, and I'm flying down the road because I'm already late, and I, I, I'm getting dressed on the interstate while I'm driving, which is not a good combination, and then I realize I've forgotten. I've forgotten, so I call my wife, and I'm like, honey, I forgot, I forgot, I forgot. She goes, what did you forget this time? I said, I forgot socks. She goes, well, calm down, Sparky. They sell these in stores. I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand. I don't have time. I'm late already, and I don't know where, I don't know where the shoe stores are. I just need to find it. I got to go. I got socks. She goes, well, calm down. Okay, okay, okay. I, I think drugstores carry socks. I'm sure there's one on the way. Try a drugstore. Good news. Drugstores carry dress socks. Bad news. Drugstores only carry women's dress socks. Good news. They're really comfortable. And I'm sitting there, do I get them? Do I not get them? Do I get them? I don't know how many times. Do I get them? I saw one size fits all. And I know some women with some pretty honking feet, okay? So I grabbed them and I actually wore them. Here they are. Okay, I want you to see these. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I love the fact that my wife always has the answer. She is the smartest woman I've ever met. Literally, the smartest, not only just beautiful, but smart. She's, she, was in, she would tell me how she was in advanced classes. Tell her how I was in special classes. <laughs> she used to get paid for her grades. Anybody here ever get paid for your grades? Did you really? That's incredible. How many of you, like me, two days before report cards, practiced forging your parents' signature? Okay, yes, these are my people. My wife actually said this about a year after we were married. She goes, I don't know if I've ever told you this or not, but kindergarten through college, I only made one B. I was like, me too. <laughs> because it's not easy. It's not easy. They almost say this one thing, because everybody has a glitch. And as beautiful as my wife is, as smart as my wife is, as intimidating as is, she has a glitch. And her glitch is something we call isms, Heather isms, because she says phrases that really don't make sense. Except to her. We were talking with some friends the other day. She's saying what a great friend she is. She says, I am a great friend. I am as loyal as a heart attack. (laughs) I don't think I want you to be my friend. (laughs) 
And she gets it honestly. We were playing a game with her parents the other night. Her dad after a move says, hey, whatever, turned your boat. <laughs> Would that be a rudder? <laughs> now, the great part is they usually pop up when we're having an argument and they're just over. They're just over at that point. I'll give you an example. We were talking about our checkbook one day and going back and forth. She goes, well, you can't milk a dead horse. (laughs) How do you argue with that? (laughs) She caught me in something one time. She goes, you are treading in hot water. (laughs) I said, honey, I can be treading on thin ice or I can be in hot water. But if I'm treading in hot water... That's a jacuzzi. <laughs> Don't really mind being there. Now, I love this. She plays bunko with some of our neighbors in, in the neighborhood. Do you guys know what bunko is? It's a game. and it, It's a Greek word that stands for gossip while holding dice. Okay, that's, that's what it means. And she came back one day and she goes, oh, I said, how did it go? Who was there? And she's telling me about it. And she goes, you know, I just needed that time with those other ladies. It's such a wonderful bondage experience. (laughs) I don't think you can go back. And she's not alone. I love it that people have started writing these in and sending them to me. A buddy of mine calls me this past week. He's like, my boss in our meeting, he says, you know what, we got a busy quarter ahead of us, but let's not get the chicken in front of the horse. <laughs> okay. I did a state fair in Missouri. They said, go get something to eat at the hospitality tent. And this poor girl must have been in the sun too long. I said, hi, what do you got? She goes, well, hamburgers and hot dogs. I said, can I have a hot dog? She goes, yeah, would you like anything on that? I said, well, what do you got? She goes, well, you can get mustard or nothing or both. <laughs> well, give me both. <laughs> Let's see you pull that one off. And they're all around and they're happening around me too because my, I went in to wake up my son the other day for school. My oldest son, he loves school. I said, Graham, are you ready for school? He goes, Dad, I'm happy as a muffin. <laughs> You've been hanging out with mom, haven't you? <laughs> I love being a husband. I love being a dad. I really do. But there's certain parts of being a dad that don't make sense. I have no money. I make money. I just don't have money. My daughter and me are different. I have a duct tape wallet. I'm not making this up. This is my wallet. It is made of duct tape. From a camp two years old and two years ago from my boys. My daughter, who has never had a job and has no money, has five purses. (laughs) That only makes sense if you're a dad. I go to the ATM. I go to deposit a check. I let my son, I said, punch in the secret code, punch in the amount, punch in deposit. And he just said, now put the envelope in. And he puts it in and he goes, I said, what? He said, where's the money? I said, it's a deposit. We just put the deposit in. He goes, mom always gets money. (laughs) Yes. That is the way it works. My wife got a part-time job. She's done very well. We have our money and her money. 
her money and our money. I still have no money. <laughs> it's amazing to me the way that works. And over time, I got to thinking, you know what? There's got to be something to this. There's got to be something to this. And it's about being a dad. See, being a dad, things happen. And I want to know from some of you who have been a dad for a while when these things happen. Because I started noticing some of them in me and I'm, I'm scared because I've seen some of you. <laughs> My dad used to give me a hard time about having long hair. I had a big afro when I was a kid, long hair. And I felt bad about it until I saw him go swimming. Might have had a very short hair except for this thing on top. And when it got wet, <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen these, these comb over things? It's like, <laughs> they grow it like eight feet long. <laughs> I was at the bank the other day, in line behind a guy. He had a part right here. <laughs> I wanted so badly for him to turn around so I could go. <laughs> See what would happen. I'm going to give away a secret that you. I'm going to get kicked out of the man club for this. If your if your husband is a dad and you ever want him to stop doing something that's irritating or is it whether it's something he says he wears or he does here's how you end it all you got to do is next time he says it does it or wears it you just go that is so neat and he'll say what and then you repeat whatever it is he said did or wore and then you add the words that is just like your dad <laughs> He will never say it. He will never wear it. He will never do it again. You're listening to Focus on the Family and a great presentation from Ken Kington today. And uh, we have a CD of this presentation with extra content. And that's available when you make a donation of any amount to the ministry today. Just call 800, the letter A, and the word family. Or you can donate online and request it at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. Let's return now to more from Ken Kington. You can tell how old a tree is by how many rings it has. You can tell how old a man is by how high his waistline is. This is junior high. And then you get up to around high school, then college. And then at some point in time, that just crawls up there. My dad meets me at the door like this now. He'll go, hey, you got a little spare tire on there, son? Spare tire, not me. I wear the same waist size I wore in high school. Like, yeah, Dad, but I never have the problem getting underarm deodorant on my waistband. That never happens to me. Never happens. And what gets me is that, I I mean, I look at some of these guys, and they got their shorts up and their hair swooped, wearing dark socks with flip-flops. And at some time, they looked in the mirror and went, oh, this looks good. When does that happen? But it's amazing to me that, you know, in, in time, not only do I see that as a dad, but, it, but life can get difficult. It can just be hard sometimes. I was flying from Corpus Christi, Texas to Phoenix, Arizona. Now get the, get the geography on this. Texas to Arizona. I get to the airport at 5.45 in the morning. I go, yeah, I'm flying to Phoenix. And they go, oh, I'm sorry, your flight's been canceled. There was a winter storm in Atlanta. 
He says, but good news, we've rebooked you. We'll have you there tonight at 9.30. And I said, is there another flight? He's like, oh, no, that's the best we can do. I'm like, that's the best you can do? I said, it's 5.50 in the morning. I'm sorry, that's the best we can do. That's the best you can do? I said, you're telling me from right now, 5.50 in the morning till tonight at 9.30, there's only one airplane leaving from this region of the country flying to Phoenix, Arizona? And he says, well, of course not. I said, okay, let's start there. <laughs> and work backwards. Many types. Well, you probably won't want to do this, but I can tell you from Corpus, Houston, Houston, Salt Lake, Salt Lake, Phoenix, you can be there by 4.30. I'm like, do that. And he says, okay, do you? I said, do I need to take my bag? No, we'll take care of it. It was going great until I got to Salt Lake City. I thought I had two hours, but I didn't because I heard my name over the loudspeaker. Ken Kingdon, please report to gate E18 immediately. Ken Kingdon, E18. I'm like, I took off running. I get to gate E18, and I'm like, I'm, I'm Ken, is the flight still here? Is it like, oh, yeah, it's not for another hour and a half. I'm like, we called my name. They're like, oh, are you Ken? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, you need to talk to those guys. Two ramp workers, the knee pads and the headphones and I said hi I'm Ken Kington there's something I can help you with they're like oh do you want to tell him or do you want me to tell him <laughs> I said tell me what they said oh I'm, I don't know how to tell you this but uh, your, your bag uh, it didn't make it <laughs> and I fly 200 flights a year that happens a couple times a year and I said well did it not make it from Corpus to Houston or Houston to here and they both looked they went um uh, no, it got here, but it didn't make it. <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm so sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm not following you. I'm so sorry, I'm a little slow, and I was in special class, you know, so I, I'm just... And he says, well, uh, see, there was a roller in an accident. Your, your bag is gone. We think we saved most of what was inside of it, but your bag is gone. I said, can I see it? And they both went, no. <laughs> I said, I can't see it? And they said, the biggest piece is about this big. <laughs> and sure enough, when I finally got my stuff, it had exploded on the tarmac. There were airplane wheel marks across my clothes. <laughs> I said, well, okay. I said, well, is there a reason why you call me? And they said, yeah, we're putting it in a temporary container. We just want to let you know you can make a claim when you get to Phoenix. I'm like, okay. And they said, well, you're taking this pretty well. I'm like, well, you know, is there anything I can do? I'm like, no, but, you know, you're, is the flight on time? Yeah. So I get to Phoenix. And I'm sitting there with a baggage claim. Now, it's not like Atlanta where it comes out of the bottom or out the sides at most airports. In Phoenix, there's two that come out of the ceiling, and they come down. And I'm standing there with about 80 people when it dawns on me. As the luggage begins to come down, I have no idea what I'm looking for. <laughs> I figure I'll just wait. And then it became painfully obvious what I was looking for. I want you to picture the largest garbage bag you have ever seen. And the reason I knew it was mine is because it was clear. Here comes my shoes and my underwear. And so now I'm going you know, to let everybody leave before I leave. And it, that didn't work. People are taking their luggage and then watching this thing go around, you know. <laughs> I look like some hobo Santa Claus walking through the airport. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. When his wife became pregnant with their fourth child, Greg panicked. 
but a focus on the family counselor put everything into perspective. He said, the first thing you need to realize is kids are a blessing, or all of the blessings, that they're gifts from God. And the second thing he said was, kids value relationships, not stuff. I'm Jim Daly. Let's give more families hope. Any gift you send will be doubled at focusonthefamily.com slash family. Feel that nip in the air? It's time to put on fuzzy socks, drink some hot cocoa, and decorate your home with a new season of Focus on the Family's Christmas Stories podcast. This year, we'll talk about the nativity story in the Gospel of Luke. Join us as we chat about how Christ's birth inspires us, how we celebrate the season, and ways we find that childlike wonder again. Listen to the Christmas Stories podcast on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. But you know what? I, I, life happens like that. And I need help. And people need help. And we need each other. And, and we need help. And I wish there were signs for help. But there's not. There's signs for everything else, but not for things that matter. I was on, in Orlando, Florida. If you're ever down there looking I-4, in the median on I-4 in Orlando, Florida, they have a sign. They have paid hundreds of dollars to put this sign up. Do not mow. <laughs> Apparently there's some renegade landscapers <laughs> in Florida driving around going, hey Bubba, you see any cops? <laughs> Break out the John Deere, we're cutting some grass! And they're dumbing down signs. They used to have a sign, Deer Crossing. Do you remember that one? Then they changed it to get on the Christmas theme, Deer Xing. <laughs> Apparently that was too hard, so now it's just a picture of a deer. <laughs> I shared that in Ohio. This guy came up and goes, I can't believe you said that. He says, my wife hit a, hit a deer less than 100 yards from one of those signs last week. And I was like, dude, I'm so sorry. He's like, no, 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 that's not what I'm telling you. He says, they called me. I went out. She was okay, and I couldn't help it. I said, honey... Did you not see the sign? Her response, I never thought they'd come from the other way. (laughs) You're going to need to give me the keys. And the signs they could do pictures for, they don't. Boom. Boom. Or dip. Oh no, they spell those out. I'm just wondering what the poor foreign drivers in our country are doing when that comes up, you know? Hey, Franz, Franz, this sign, come up here. What this sign mean here? I think this sign mean bump. Now, I talked to a friend of mine at DOT. I said, how much are those signs? He says, they're like three to $500 to make them. They cost a crew anywhere from three to $500 to put them in. Here's my idea. Why not just take the $1,300 and fix the bump? (laughs) Maybe it's just me. Yeah! Oh, this was one of my favorites. We went to Maui for our 10-year anniversary. We're on the road to Lahaina. Beautiful mountains and the cliffs in the water. And we're pulling up to where the mountain goes into the ocean. And there's a tunnel, 10 feet in front of the tunnel. 10 feet in front of the tunnel. There is a sign with one word, and all it says is, 
tunnel. Who is struggling with this? Who is driving going, ah, there's a hole! There's a hole in the mountain! There's a hole! Oh, it's a tunnel! I didn't see the sign! Tunnel! Who knew? It's not right. And then I get to thinking in my life, you know, there's, there's times where I think, you know what? I, I don't get it. Being a dad, I don't get it. And it's becoming more confusing. Used to be able to just dress, jeans and khakis, you're fine. And I used to be able to do events where I just say, hey, it's, it's either dressy or casual. Now it's like confused. Say business casual. What does that mean anymore? Used to mean no tie, then no tie, no coat, then no tie, no coat, maybe khakis, then no tie, no coat, maybe khakis, maybe jeans, maybe t-shirt. Now it's t-shirt, short, flip-flops. It's going to be a Speedo pretty soon is what it's going to be. <laughs> Honey, where's my loincloth? <laughs> casual day. I mean, it's confusing, but I love my life. I love it. And I had an epiphany, a moment where it just and it all came together. This past summer, we were coming back from vacation. Ten minutes, packed up, and we're going ten minutes. Come to a red light. As I'm at the red light, I look out the window. There's a brand new pickup truck right next to me. I'm like, oh. And then I look in the back. There's a beautiful golden retriever with a head out the window. I'm like, oh, cool dog. And in the back, brand new Harley Davidson chrome package. The guy looked over. I'm just like, oh, because that's what we do. And he looked over at me and he kind of uh, back and kind of laughed. And I was like, what is he laughing at? And then it dawned on me, I'm in a minivan. <laughs> it is impossible to look cool in a minivan. And I'm not buying really cool toys for thousands of dollars. I'm spending hundreds of dollars on things you don't call your friends about. I don't go, hey, Rob, come over. I've got a new water heater. <laughs> No, oh, we'll wash our hands. That'll be great. <laughs> you don't do that. And I'm just so I started to distract myself. I kind of fiddled with the mirror and I saw, I saw something I have never seen before in my life. On the top of my ear, there is a hair <laughs> growing straight out. It's like this long. That's not the bad part. I looked at my wife. I said, Heather, look at this. Her response. Oh yeah, I saw that the other day. <laughs> I wanted that there? <laughs> braid it with the others, make a little ponytail or something? <laughs> that was interrupted by my two boys in the back fighting over who gets to pick the movie and who gets the electronic Ridlin. And <laughs> that was interrupted by them going, Daddy, Kennedy smells bad. And sure enough, the smell waves forward, and I'm thinking, 10 minutes. We've been on the road 10 minutes. Why not 10 minutes ago? Why not 10 minutes from now? And if you are a dad, you know what I was doing. I'm calculating how far can I go focused without having to stop before the smell burns my eyes shut. <laughs> that is interrupted by my dog discovering the other dog and begin to barking at that dog. I call him a dog. I wanted a dog. My wife said, let's get a dog. And I'm like, yeah. I'm thinking German Shepherd, Golden Dude. We have a 12-year-old, four-and-a-half-pound Yorkshire Terrier. It's like having a barking hamster. 
The only thing dog size on my dog is his tongue. He has a, if you took a German Shepherd tongue, grafted it to a gerbil, that's what I've got. <laughs> he falls asleep, the drool spot is bigger than he is. <laughs> and the light turned green and we began to go. And as we drove off, it was as if this voice came to my head, Ken, if you could switch right now, if you could choose, if you could choose right now, you could choose the new truck and the new dog and the cool motorcycle, or you can keep the minivan and the wife that leaves you hanging and the kids in the back of the smell of the barking hamster. <laughs> Which do you want? I got to tell you, 10 times out of 10, I would choose the minivan because I have found more joy and more purpose and more fulfillment and more comedy material in the <laughs> and that is why the greatest joy of my life and what I do is because I am a dad. God bless you and thank you for coming tonight. Well, there's a profound thought from today's guest on Focus on the Family, Mr. Ken Kington. John, I love that image there with Ken's wife, the kids and the dog and the minivan, because that's the essence of family. Mm. Uh, yes, it's messy and chaotic, but in the midst of that, uh, parents are shaping the next generation, the future sharers of the gospel and the future voters of our nation. It's a critically important job because without families, nations crumble. And we've seen that time and time again throughout world history. And here at Focus on the Family, we are working hard to help families thrive. We want to help you in your marriage and give you the tools you need to have a great partnership together. And we want to help you in your role as a parent as well. And we have great resources for every age and stage of your child's life. And most importantly, we want to make sure that you know the creator of the family, and that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's our mission in a nutshell. So if you believe in those values, let me encourage you to join us as a monthly sustainer, a partner with this ministry. We're a nonprofit organization, and we are extremely careful in how we manage the resources that are entrusted to us by you. And we consider your donations to be a widow's might, and we act accordingly. When you make a monthly pledge of any amount, we'd like to send you a CD of Ken Kington's entire presentation with extra content. Uh, get a copy to share with a friend who could use a few laughs. And if you can't make a monthly commitment right now, we understand. Uh, we can send you the CD for a one-time gift of any amount as well. Uh, just get in touch with us and become a part of the ministry to families in your community and around the world. And you can reach us when you call 800, the letter A in the word family, or donate and request your CD at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. You're listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break here and then return with another faith-building program for your family. Stay tuned. It's time to level up. Give your kids a safe, faith-focused, and biblically-based community, and so much more. Join the Adventures in Odyssey Club. Club members get on-demand access to the exciting Adventures in Odyssey series, including more than 900 episodes. With faith-building activities, parental controls, and a safe online community, the Adventures in Odyssey Club could be your best adventure yet. 
Learn more and start your free trial at adventuresinodyssey.com slash radio. We're not here to change people. This is family. We're here to love people. And sometimes the hard stuff gets in the way of that. So to have that perspective, I'm here today to have the attitude that I'm going to love these people, whatever that looks like. And there's a great starting point. Intentionally think for each person, what could I say today that would encourage them? That's Dr. Mike Bechtel, and he joins us today on Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. You know, John, this time of year is so full of family gatherings, which is great, but it also can bring some stress. Um, I'm not going to say, do you have certain stress? But <laughs> we have some stress uh, associated with this season. <laughs> you don't want to yes. name names. No. But the point is, you know, these are the extended family coming over, or you're going over to some family member's house for the holidays. and you got to remember the rules. you got to remember everybody's preferences. Yeah. And, and then when there's no rules, that's a problem, because uh-huh. then you're stepping on feet, and you don't know. And so today we want to equip you. And believe it or not, we get a lot of questions from the listeners about these kinds of experiences mm-hmm. where the in-laws are overstepping and, you know, they're over-parenting, we're the parents, not our parents, all that, right? So we'll get into some of that today with our special guest, Dr. Mike Bechtel, who is here to offer that practical advice. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned we hear a lot from listeners about this. This is a proactive uh, program for you. This is in response to listener insights and uh, questions. Dr. Mike Bechtel is a good friend who's joined us a number of times here in the studio, and he's an author, speaker, and blogger who specializes in communication and leadership training. Uh, He's written a book that serves as the basis for our conversation, People Can't Drive You Crazy If You Don't Give Them the Keys. It's a great (laughs) title, and uh, we'll invite you to check it out. Uh, We have details at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. Mike, welcome back to Focus. Well, thanks. It's always such a privilege. It's good to have you here, especially this time of year, so we can talk about these uh, touchy situations with extended family members. Now, let's just say it straight. I mean, some people within the family are better at pushing buttons Hmm. and stirring up drama than others. Uh, I guess the question is, why do we get so riled up about those that rile us up? Well, I think we all know how to push buttons. I remember when I was a kid going to museums. I didn't care what I saw, but if it had a button, (laughs) that would make something happen. And so I would just go around pushing buttons. But I think there's people that do that. And it's part of their temperament. If I know that I can bug you a little bit, then I pick up on it and I continue to do it. Okay, but uh, we are Christians for the Mm -hmm. most part. If you're not a believer, here's some insight to the church. But we're supposed to not push buttons or learn how to not Mm -hmm. push buttons, but to love people. Well, I'm also human. And you put those two (laughs) together, sometimes I do the things that I don't want to do, but or maybe I do want to do. So what factors are coming into play with, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, the holiday season? What are the factors that come into play that make this such a rich target? (laughs) You know, I think one of the biggest factors is expectations. Because Maybe we just have this picture in our mind that Christmas is supposed to be, like Amy Grant says, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Mm. And we want it to be that way, and we want people to come over and everybody gets along. And Thanksgiving, they come together for a celebration, and maybe we don't feel so thankful about some of the people that are coming, but they're extended family. We have to invite them, or we feel like we need to. And we kind of dread it because we know that they're going to be that little burr in the saddle, that, that piece of sand in your shoe that just makes things kind of hard. Now, you, you and Diane mentor couples. Uh, what do you hear with the seasons of marriage? What kind of 
comments are younger couple, mid-aged couple, older couples? What do they say that has caught your attention? Well, usually I think when they're young, and especially when they first gotten married, we know that they're in love, they don't know everything that's going on, and then all of a sudden the first thing that comes up is parents. <laughs> because you have two sets of parents with different expectations, and it shows up at the holidays because it's like, well, but you've always come to our house, mm. and so of course you're going to do it this year, and the other parents are thinking the same thing. So how do we negotiate that? And then if you put a child in the in the mix and they have the first baby, now it's made it, made it even more volatile because, well, this is my grandchild. You're going to raise him or her the way we raised you, right? And the other parents are thinking the same thing, but then you have your own ideas and somehow the holidays bring that out. And well, it, in that context with the younger couple, what do you say to them when they're going out? Our parents both want us to be there on the same day at the same time. Well, then we talk about wh- what they have actually said. What are the words they use? And then we negoti- We talk about how do you negotiate that? It's like, we love you. We want to be at your house. But we also have our own family now. We're trying to build that. And so... Um, that's where the dynamics is bringing the elephant into the room and putting it on the table. So when you're looking at, again, the uh, the years of being married and the things you encounter, so that's the young couple that's figuring it out. Now talk to the parents of those young couples. Mm-hmm. What are they griping about? The fact that they don't get their way as much. Because we have certain ways that we expect our kids to perform. I mean, we raise these kids. And if they do anything different than how we raise them, it's like it feels like a slap in the face Mm. because it's like, well, wasn't it good enough what we did with you? Why are you trying to do it differently? Mm. And it's a it's a personal thing. So we talk to those parents about reevaluating how their perspective is. It's like, okay, there have been changes. And and it's to be able to do that in a way that uh, affirms them shows there's a respect in the family that your kids still care about you, but we need to find new wineskins, new mm. ways of making this work. Now, the people that seem to really get this is grandma and grandpa. Somehow years mellow them out, typically, not always. Mm. So what do you hear from older couples that have adult children that are now, you know, parenting adult children? Yeah, well, they <laughs> they probably went through all those challenges with their kids, and so they have negotiated it. And they've survived. They've come through it. But mm. now they're just wiser. They know what worked, what didn't. You learn to pick your battles at that age as well. And we're at that stage because we have our grandkids, we have our kids, and we have told them, and it's worked really well, we had to give it up, give up our expectations and say, you know, you have your own family. And so this needs to be for you. We want to see you at Christmas time. We're not demanding that everybody spends the night on Christmas Eve in their jammies, and then the next morning we're all together with fruitcake. It's uh, it's a matter of accepting the fact that these things have changed. And when you get to that stage, we're not. We've realized they're not going to do it our way all the time. You have five characteristics of family drama. So let's unveil those five characteristics. Okay, one of them is emotion. That. When there's family drama, it you feel something. The second one is people. That we the drama comes from other people usually. It's of course, some, always other people. Well, even if it's <laughs> even if it's an event, if it's something that happened, someone was involved in making that happen. Right. And so so that tends to bug us the unmet expectations. Third is unexpectedness. It's almost always something we didn't expect. And so we're doing okay for a while, but then when the doctor uses the word terminal or when the police call at midnight about your teenager, you weren't expecting that either of those. And it changes, it brings a new level of drama into your life. Let me describe one of those, like when somebody brings the 
green beans with onions or whatever, and someone goes, does anybody ever eat those? It usually doesn't go down well with the person who brought it. Well, I'm going to scoop a little on the trash and put it back. It looks like it's... See, that's a- wisdom. That's grandparenting <laughs> wisdom right there. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, the, the fourth one is uh, personal impact. Crazy things happen in our world, but not all of them impact us. If the head of a corporation is embezzling funds, we don't think too much about it unless it's our, the corporation we're in and it's our retirement funds. Yeah. Now it's become personal. And the last one is they tend to be exaggerated because when drama happens, we, we often blow up a situation in our minds beyond the reality of the mm-hmm. event. And um, so those are the kind of things yeah. that fit. Let's get in. And throughout this time together, I'm going to bring in three or four examples of things people have contacted our counseling team mm-hmm. and asked us. So I'm going to throw it at you and you can help us all. One of those questions that we received is, how do I deal with my family's mm-hmm. differing political views. This is a touchy one, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when they're pretty argumentative about it. I mean, you're sitting around watching probably the Dallas Cowboys and somebody play, and then all of a sudden somebody's going to say, you know, what do you think of President fill in the blank? And here we go. When they've come to your house for this event, then you can't control what they're going to bring up. I can control how I respond to it. I can control if I engage with it or not. I can just say, Say, you know, today I'm not going there or we're not going there. And now they may argue back because they want to they just want to bring it up. It's like, no, today is the politics free day. We're talking football today. Okay, that's one way to handle it. If we do want to engage with them, I don't want to get defensive and get caught up with them because then they're calling the shots if they feel that strong. Mm -hmm. And I'm just feeding into it. And I want to make sure that doesn't happen. So I will listen and I'll say things like, well, that's an interesting perspective. I don't share that perspective, but it's just interesting hearing. In fact, tell me more about, and I'll ask him a little deeper. Yeah, ask so some questions. Because that good. way I'm caring, I'm listening, yeah. they feel heard, they feel respected, but I have shared with them in the midst of that. I don't share that belief, but I'd love to hear more about yours. So you have this, uh, moving to the next thing, this Aunt Marge. I would see it more as my stepdad, who actually did a white glove test every Saturday morning at our home for so, dust for dust it's a true story uh-huh. and hanging up your jacket he made me hang up my jacket 500 times that's a true story and i was dumb enough to do it at one two i should have just sat in my bedroom and yelled the number out because he wasn't watching me but i was a good kid so i hung that jacket up 500 mm-hmm. times you go into my closet today everything's pretty neat and tidy on my side i won't talk about gene's side but um <laughs> The point of that is uh, the Aunt Marge that comes in and starts going, oh, dear, what happened? This looks a little dusty. Or, hmm, you sure you want to put that there? You know how the comments go. How do you manage that when you're trying to get the meal prepared, probably, and you're going, Aunt Marge, can you just um, do something else? Well, one way is to give direct answers. If she, if Aunt <laughs> Marge, yeah, if Aunt Marge says, can't you put that there? Just go, no. <laughs> and walk away. And, and yeah, just leave it. Because those quick answers sometimes will throw them off because you're not engaging with them in it. But at the same time, my wife was the same way. When we first got married, she is was one that, because of the way she was raised, she's extremely clean. Uh-huh. And we went to someone's house for dinner, and we're sitting on the couch while they, they said, we'll be right back. And the coffee table was dusty. She started dusting it with her hand. I said, this is not our table. You don't have to do that in their house. And she still, to this day, likes things in place. And if I put, sometimes I'll move something over a little bit just to see what she does. I'll come back a little bit later. It's been moved back because it's, it's her default setting from how she was brought up. And so I don't try and change that, 
but I can mention it. We talk about it. We even laugh about it. Uh, Mike, in your book, you write about the Relationship Survival Kit. What's in that? Well, I've got several things I thought of. One is perspective, that if we can make sure we have the right perspective on things, look at ourselves honestly, and we might discover some of the reasons we do the things that we do. And that's when, if it's something deep-seated, that's the purpose of counselors like you have here at Focus. It's the purpose of therapy and just um, recognizing that maybe our perspective, we believe that what we see is accurate, mm. but it may not be. But if I believe it's true, like if I, if I believe something is true, do I really want your opinion on it? Because I think mm. I'm right. And so if I think I'm right, it's good to challenge the perspectives. And in relationships, to be able to stand back and say, what's really happening? They're bothering me. They're driving me crazy, but am I the one that may have a d the wrong perspective? Well, and are you the one suffering from that because they could care less yeah. that they're driving you crazy, <laughs> oh, exactly. which is the title of your book. Well, it's the same thing. Like if you're in traffic and somebody cuts you off and then you start, like when I was a kid, I used to tailgate them to punish to, them. Just to show and, them. Uh, to yeah. show them, yes. Yeah. And I found out they didn't know I was tailgating him. Well, that's the core thing, right? It makes you bitter and angry and they're not trapped at all. They wouldn't know yeah. any worse. Well, another part of it is just other people. We need somebody to challenge our perspective, to provide insight, to give the right, to ask the right questions. Mm -hmm. And so to invite other people's perspectives into my own so that I don't just assume that I'm always correct. I might believe I am, but it's good to have other people and invite them to do that. So Uncle Mike, what is it about the gravy that you don't like? Yeah, if they... If they say, what is it about the gravy that you don't like? I can tell them what I don't like about it, but I don't make a big thing of it. It's a taste, and they, right. they, it's different for them. Some things in life are tastes. Other things are bigger issues that we really do need to talk through because they impact other people. Yeah. Boundaries is a third one. That's the decisions that we make to protect our emotions. And in a family, we probably need them more than otherwise. It's almost like I knew one mom and she was always criticizing her son-in-law, her daughter's husband. And they would get in these discussions, and she would always say, well, why does he do it this way? And, <laughs> and why can't he be like this? And it would really upset the daughter. And finally, her daughter just set up a boundary, said, you know what, Mom? I love him, and this is who I'm married to, and this is between him and me, and we're just not going to have this conversation. And the mom said, well, don't be foolish. It's, I'm just asking questions. And she said, well, that's fine. I appreciate your questions, but we're not going to talk about this. Mm. And then she said, well, then maybe I just won't talk to you anymore about things. I won't call you. And she said, well, I'll miss our conversations, but we're not going to have this conversation. She made a very simple statement and just repeated it. Didn't explain it, didn't go on. So to build something that says, this isn't going to happen here and not have to try and explain it so somebody necessarily agrees with you. Yeah. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Celebrate a lifelong love this holiday season with a special edition print created just for you by award-winning artist Morgan Weisling. A Lasting Love honors the enduring love and generational impact of marriage, which captures a sweet moment between a couple leaving church set in the Pioneer West. See it and get your copy of A Lasting Love at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash special print. That's FocusOnTheFamily.com slash special print. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. 
Uh, Mike, we've talked a lot about surviving these get-togethers, and that's specifically what we're talking about. Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, uh, the holiday season. But what are some ways we can spin them to be more positive? I mean, we're touching on that, kind of make your declaration. But uh, you mentioned seven keys to healthy relationships. So I think there's humility, joy, perspective, patience, kindness. Sounds like the fruit of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Integrity, commitment. Um, just illustrate a couple of those, how we could deploy them at this critical time of family get-together. Well, I think several of them, joy is one of the big ones. You want to have joy during the holidays. And it doesn't always happen because somebody else is bringing in the opposite. But to be able to just take ourselves lightly, to I think a lot of this has to do with preparation. <laughs> so true. To go into these holidays working on our mindset ahead of time that I'm going to go in controlling what I can, which is myself, my choices, my attitudes, my words, and not just be waiting for something to go wrong and then react to it and respond to it. I want to be able to make those choices. So to decide ahead of time, there's a lot of good things going on here. And I'm not going to let somebody just push my button and it's going to ruin everything. I'll decide how I'm going to respond, how I'm going to react. So thinking ahead of time. Yeah, there's a little illustration in the Bible about this when you look at Mary and Martha. And, of course, Martha goes to Jesus and says, hey, can other people help me do the dishes yeah. here? I mean, that's that's probably one of the clearest mm -hmm. examples. And yeah. the Lord's like, well, you know, we can do the dishes anytime, but it's good to hang out with me right now while I'm with you. Yeah. That's all paraphrase, obviously, but that was the essence of it. Yeah, and that's so good because there there are going to be hard times and there's going to be things that we don't like about certain people's actions and choices, but they're going to be there. There's also good stuff. Hey, the people that bug us the most, there are positive things about them. And sometimes we focus so much on the one thing that really drives us crazy, we forget to catalog the things that really are positive about them that if we can focus on that and move more towards gratefulness, that can change a lot of things in there. Which goes back to one of them, I think probably my favorite is kindness. Yeah. Because it's the lubricant that keeps people functioning well together. And it says in Scripture that God brings people to himself through his kindness. It's his kindness yeah. that leads us to repentance. It doesn't say his truth. It doesn't say his power. There's a lot of things that you'd say, well, what about truth? Tell people what's right. It's like, but the thing that brings people to Christ is his kindness. It's so interesting to me that that one was selected out of everything else. So I try and pull that into the family situations, extended family. What if I made it my goal during the holiday season, when they're there or when I'm with them, to find ways to bring kindness, to speak kindness, even if it's the smallest little encouragement, some kind of a word to each person in the room sometime during the event. It seems that in families there's this formula, though. The closer you are, you, you know, you express a lot of kindness to outsiders, you know, your friends perhaps, or certainly your friends at a distance or acquaintances. You're super kind. And then as things get a little closer, that kindness can dry up a little bit. You're more direct. You're telling them what you think with your family, let's say your spouse, your kids, whatever. Um, it does seem to work that way. How do we treat those closest to us like we would treat somebody a little further and a little more distant? Do you guys, first of all, do you think that's accurate? Yeah, I do. Because <laughs> it, it goes back to dating relationships. You're on your best behavior because you're oh, yeah. trying to, to say the right things and do the right things so they will like you. And then you marry them. And then over the years, it's like you've gotten comfortable and you can start 
being a little snarky or sarcastic and you're joking because you know that they're going to be okay, but they may not be okay at that moment. You never know when a casual word you might say can take them over the edge or go back. That's why Ephesians 4.29, I think, says, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. The interesting part of that phrase to me is it's assuming they're in there. (laughs) <laughs> it, it, it doesn't say. Okay, that's a good point. It doesn't say. Well, don't think about these things. It's like you're going to be. You're human. You're going to be bugged at somebody. Don't let these things out yeah. when you want to say them. It's Keep just those thoughts to yourself and only use words that are edifying that build up someone according to their need at that moment. And I think in that kind of a setting, if I go in with that scripture with that verse in my mind, it's like okay, there's stuff I could say, but. Just don't let them out. Yeah, you know, again, look, thinking of Scripture, thinking of Jesus in those situations, you know, with the sinner, he was asking questions, pointing out things somewhat indirectly sometimes, just asking a question, right? And then other times, like with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he was aggressive. He was very direct. You brood of vipers. You whitewashed walls. Why do you teach people these things? So describe that kind of behavior coming from the Lord in terms of how he dealt with different people. Well, I think the key is almost what came out of that verse is he's dealing with people in their moment of need and what mm. they need in the moment. Some people need a rebuke in the moment. Now, I'm not going to put that on family too much because in, at Christmas time, that's not the time to fix Uncle Joe. That's a long-term relationship. But it's one thing to be at the zoo looking at the gorillas playing and it's kind of fun but at the same time once you go into the exhibit and you're with them it feels different and there's more (laughs) stuff going on well and i hear you all throughout this conversation mike saying you know have a mind that says i'm going to help things be healthy in other words maybe that uncle says something and we don't rebuke him publicly we redirect him or we change the subject quickly and everybody knows i mean most people have had those awkward moments where it's like uh what are we going to do and instead of uh, letting him go on, you maybe just redirect or point something else out. Uh, that's that's kind of wisdom, isn't it? Well, and I think especially during the holidays, if we're having a holiday gathering, redirecting is a good technique. In life as a whole, you may want to go some other directions, but this is not the time to solve all of the family yeah, issues that have come up. That's good. It's like we're trying to survive that day or thrive <laughs> in that day. Yeah. That's a good question, too. At the end of the day, when you're putting the things away together and you're thinking about how good or how not so good the day went, what would you want to aim for? Mm-hmm. I, I like that idea because that kind of frames it for me at the beginning of the day. I don't think I do that enough with Gene to say, okay, before we get going today, Thanksgiving, what picture do you have in mind? And I probably am one of the perpetrators of popping her bubble in that way. And I should ask ahead of time. I think before and after, because before we want to ask and talk about what do you want the day to look like? And what are the potential things that could go wrong? And if they do, what are we going to say? We help each other in that way. And then afterwards, to go back with gratefulness and say, what were the best parts of the day? What surprised you? What went really well? That final drill down here. So what are people, what do you want them to walk away from uh, with the holiday seasons upon us? What should they be? How should they be thinking? We've talked a little bit about it, but what's your perspective? Well, of everything we've talked about, the two big ones that always stand out to me for a holiday event or season is um, you're not going to fix other people. You can't change somebody else. You can't force them to change. Should we write that on a sticky and put it on the bathroom mirror? Yeah. <laughs> that day, don't <laughs> fix your relatives. And, and that's, there, there's a verse I always wanted to put on a plaque on our guest room wall 
that's uh, Proverbs twenty five seventeen. It says, "Let your foot seldom be in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you." <laughs> that's not a good guest room. <laughs> you leave no, that in the guest and, and, and Diane didn't think that was a good idea. A but, wise woman, for but sure. to be able to to use that um, idea that we're not here to change people. This is family. We're here to love people, and sometimes the hard stuff gets in the way of that. So to have that perspective, I'm here today to have the attitude that I'm gonna. I'm going to love these people, whatever that looks like. And There's a great starting point. Intentionally yeah. think for each person, what could I say today that would encourage them? Yeah, that's good. Mike, what a wonderful book. And it applies year-round. We're applying it to the holiday season. But this is for every day, every month, every year. Again, the title of the book is People Can't Drive You Crazy If You Don't Give Them the Keys. And love the title. You can get that directly from Focus on the Family. It's a terrific guide to navigating your relationships, placing boundaries, and having a more positive outlook. And when you donate today, a gift of any amount, we'll send you a copy of that book as our way of saying thank you for doing ministry through Focus on the Family. Yeah, and if I, if I may, just a quick illustration, Jim, about uh, the impact that we have. We heard from a listener, Judy, who said, I can't even begin to explain how Focus on the Family helps helped me over the years. I listened to the broadcast so much while raising my own daughters, and now that they have families of their own, they listen too. Focus has made such a difference in raising my kids. Well, I love hearing that we're making an impact. That's the payback for all of us, the donors who are helping us and us here at the ministry. You know, after this last year full of overwhelming uh, financial strain and social upheaval, global issues, Hurting people could really use some hope. The upcoming Christmas season is the perfect time to share the hope that Jesus came to give us all. And you can come alongside those facing challenges and give families hope through your support of Focus on the Family. Thousands of people reach out to the ministry for help by phone, mail, and email. Couples heading for divorce, parents who are stressed, and others in difficult situations. And you may be surprised to learn that less than 1% of our listeners give to focus. Can you imagine how much more effective we could be for God's kingdom if you helped us just double that number to 2%? Be a contributor. Do ministry with us by giving today. And right now, through a special match opportunity provided by good friends of Focus on the Family, your year-end gift will be matched dollar for dollar. God will use your gift to bring healing and redemption to twice the families. Donate and get a copy of the book, People Can't Drive You Crazy If You Don't Give Them the Keys, when you're at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast, or when you call 800, the letter A, and the word family, 800-232-6459. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening today to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.